1: 995 gold that's 833995 gold 833995 g o l d Born from the tragedy
2: of 9-11, the Tanta to Towers Foundation made a promise to ensure we never forget. Since then, Tanta to Towers has been committed to supporting America's heroes and their families. Heroes like US Army specialist Michael Hook. Hook was killed in Iraq when his helicopter was shot down. He enlisted in the military after graduating high school and left behind a pregnant fiance who gave birth to a son that he would never meet. But thanks to the generosity of friends like you, Taltha to Towers paid off the mortgage on his family's home, relieving a financial burden and bringing stability. The foundation helps Gold Star and fallen first responder families, as well as our nation's most severely injured heroes and homeless veterans. Join Taltha to Towers on its mission to do good. America's heroes are counting on you. Ninety five cents of every dollar you give goes directly to its programs. Donate eleven dollars a month. The Tunnel to Towers at t 2 torg That's T the number two T dot org. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices our heroes have made for us.
1: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show podcast. Diving into this story about the blaze reporter Steve Baker who was uh, arrested by the FBI, I believe, this morning. Uh, We're going to join now Jill Savage. She's done fantastic work with OutKick in the past. As I said, some of you may remember her from sidelines in college football, among other things. Also, by the way, Catherine Harridge is the CBS reporter. I think I mispronounced her last name or got it wrong. Catherine Harridge is the CBS reporter. But, Jill, you were just in the courtroom with Steve Baker, who uh, was there covering January 6th. What happened? What can you tell us about this case?
3: Yeah, so I am actually standing just outside the courtroom now waiting for Steve and his lawyers to uh, to come out. But I can tell you that as of this morning, Steve at 7 a.m. had to self-surrender to the FBI. His court hearing was today at 10 a.m. Uh, he was one of four defendants in there, and they told him before this, uh, during this week, they said, wear shorts and sandals. They wouldn't tell him the charges that they were going to bring against him clay but they told him to wear shorts and sandals we presumed that would be if they would have him change in uh to an orange jumpsuit but he was indeed able to wear his dress shirt dress pants uh, but he was shackled at his wrists and ankles today uh they ended up bringing four misdemeanor charges i don't know if you've gone over those uh, already or not we but, haven't
1: you know, can you tell us what is he being charged with
3: yeah, so it's knowing, knowingly entering or remaining in a restricted building or grounds without lawful authority. Uh, the second charge is disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds. The third charge is disorderly conduct in a Capitol building. And the fourth being parading and demonstrating or picketing in the Capitol building. And that one has been used against a lot of the January 6th defendants, uh, the parading around the Capitol building. Uh, was a very popular charge to bring against them. But yeah, so Steve Baker, he was in there, you know, he's the first one up on the docket and he will be released at some point today. Uh, and then his next hearing is set for a DC court on March 14th at 1230 Eastern. So, Steve, if, if you've been following this case, you know that Steve Baker was an independent journalist on January 6th. He said, I was just going where the story led me. I didn't know that I was going to be entering the Capitol building that day. I had no predisposition to be entering the Capitol building that day, even in the documents that they provided us today from court. They said he was in the building for approximately 37 minutes. So Clay, a journalist entering a Capitol building for 37 minutes is now leading us here to where we have charges being brought uh, you know, against a journalist here.
2: Hey, Jill, it's it's, it's, it's Buck. C- do we have some sense as to why now and why the delay, right? I mean, there have been so many of these cases right. brought in the past. It, it feels like the timing here is significant.
3: Yes, and this is something that they have been hanging over Steve Baker's head for about two and a half years. They've always put it out there that they were going to bring charges against him. That was just a threat, though. There was nothing that was ever concrete until December of 2023. They said the charges would be imminent. Now, what has changed, you ask? Uh, He came on as a Blaze Media reporter uh, in the summer of 2023. And it seems that there would be a correlation between the two, because as you mentioned, it was such a long time uh, from one step to the next. But yeah, in, in December 23, they said... The charges would be brought against him. They would be imminent. And here we are now on March 1st, 2024, with his day in court.
1: Where is the court proceeding, by the way, Jill? Where are you right now?
3: I am in downtown Dallas right now. So we are, we are just at a courthouse right here in Dallas. And the, the next courthouse will be in D.C. itself on March 14th.
1: Okay, so question for you. My understanding is that not only was he an independent journalist – But that the New York Times actually used some of his reporting from inside on January 6th. And on top of that, that they have reviewed security camera footage of him on January 6th. Uh, That is, I saw the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, talking about this. And they haven't found anything that he did that was of a disruptive nature that would support this. So this seems pretty astounding that this would be happening. I'm surprised... And I don't know if you've seen it all. Have any of the so-called left-leaning media commented on this at all? Because there were a lot of left-leaning media that went into the Capitol on that day and reported as well.
3: Yeah, I have not seen any left-leaning media uh, report on this so far. But one of the things that has been interesting, talking with Steve in the days leading up to this trial, he said that he saw a New York Times reporter go in to the Capitol building through a broken window uh, and Steve just, you know, made a made a note of that in his head, going, "Oh, that's that's odd. Why is this person going through this broken window, just entering the building this way? I'm just going to go over here and find, you know, an easy way through a door." Uh, you know, so it's just it's interesting to see the way that things are being portrayed because he has been approached by HBO, the New York Times, several media outlets for his reporting that he had done on January 6th, and it hadn't been a problem uh, until, you know. Things of unknown nature, Clay has changed.
2: So, what are the expectations now of of the of the next steps? I mean, you're you're outside the courthouse. You've obviously been following this very closely. Um, are, are they trying to offer some kind of a of a plea deal to him? Likely, what what do we think is going to be happening in the days and weeks ahead with this journalist yeah. from The Blaze?
3: Yeah, I, I think that we're we're going to get those answers uh, from the the lawyers here later today when they, when they are able to make it out of the courthouse. But they said to us uh, before they went in, this was exactly what they expected uh, just for today, just a very, you know, read through the, the uh, charges because that was something that they had been holding uh, against. You know, they didn't actually tell Steve Baker what he was going to be charged with until this morning because, as they said, they were worried that he would tweet it out. Uh, so I, I, I'm very excited to actually, I mean, by
1: the way, I I would tweet it out if the FBI was going to charge me with something related to doing my job too. Uh, what what can you tell us about Steve Jill? Uh, you, you, I'm assuming know him. You're in the courtroom. Uh, what is Steve Baker like? How is he handling this personally? I don't know what kind of family he has, but obviously the requirement to defend yourself when we know that they've been trying to put people in prison for January 6th related events. It's it's hard to see this as anything else other than the hard hand of government coming down on someone who's reporting they don't like. Tell us about him.
3: Yeah, Steve is just, you know, a great guy that you see around the office. He's been coming into the office every day this week. Uh, just, you know, business as usual. And we all just kind of look around at him like, hey, you know, maybe you should go do something fun. You don't know what's actually going to be happening uh, on Friday. But when you when you look at Steve, he's like, I'm just there. I just wanna share with the people what what I saw, heard, learned. He's like, I've been a journalist for so long now, this isn't this isn't even like, you know, the probably the the single most defining thing that I will do in my career. It might change now that the FBI has actually arrested him. Uh but when you look at it, he he just is a pretty just you know good average guy that you that you just you never think that something like this would be happening in the United States of America and Steve you know he asked his lawyers this week why are they why are they doing this to me why is it me that they're singling out and his lawyers said to him you know why because you've poked them in the eye for the last three years Steve they aren't going to just let this go so when, when you say who is Steve, he's just, he's a great guy who everybody would be happy to have in their circle of friends. Who is a guy doing his job on January 6th, who didn't know that January 6th was going to turn into what it did.
2: Jill, appreciate you being with us. Thanks for bringing the story to us. We'll continue to follow it and uh, and have updates. Obviously, we'll want to know what happens when he's out of court later today.
3: Yeah. Thank Thank you.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks, Joe.
1: Clay, I was at the Blaze for six years. It's where I
3: started I mean, my career. This has to hit where, you too close. Yeah, I mean,
0: course. having
1: been a writer at the Blaze, this guy's literally <laughs> just covering Jan 6, and they're now trying to put him in prison for it. Clay, I was, I was a Blaze writer and I was right there
2: when police were uh, pepper spraying and hitting with batons all the uh, Zuccotti Park Occupy Wall Street. I was standing right there, but you know, I, I wasn't in the middle of it. I was next to it. Uh, so, you know, I, I know what it is uh, to be somebody who's trying to bring the public the the truth, but you don't have that establishment shield. I mean, and, and in what world does that make any sense, right? The blaze gets millions and millions of readers a month. Uh Why is one treated like journalism as in The New York Times and the other doesn't count? You know, I don't even like this term. People say, oh, well, they're citizen journalists or they're, you know, independent. Jur- no, you're just... You're just a journalist the same way anybody else is, though I think the term journalist is these days increasingly meaningless because everybody has access to platforms. But uh, we'll continue to follow this and anything we can do to help out, uh, get the story out here for our friends at The Blaze, we will do so. You know, the first video camera that my family owned was my dad's. He had four kids and loved taking video of us opening presents on Christmas, You know, Thanksgiving with my grandparents. Uh, me chasing my brothers around, playing a little tackle football without the pads, that kind of stuff. And I'm glad he did, but, you know, these days we don't have a video cassette player, a VHS player. So how can we enjoy those old tapes? And also all those old family albums that are collecting dust somewhere, just photos that are fading over time. How do you enjoy them? Well, if you want to be able to enjoy your family memories digitally going forward, you need Legacy Box. Legacy Box can take all of your old media and transfer it digitally onto new media, and they've got the right price tag on this service, too. It's a Tennessee-based company that provides the easiest, safest way to reclaim all the priceless footage you haven't seen in years. Send them your aging VHS tapes, camcorder tapes, film reels, and pictures. Legacy Box will digitize all of it for you. A million and a half families have already benefited from the service. Go to LegacyBox.com slash buck and save 50%. That's LegacyBox.com slash B-U-C-K for 50% off of Legacy Box.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and... Producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at BP.com slash investing in America.
2: Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand.
1: Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts?
4: Go to LifeLock.com/news and save up to twenty five percent your first year. That's twenty five percent off at LifeLock.com/news. Identity theft protection starts here.
2: You can dive a little bit deeper into the uh, situation of funny Willis and what we're what we're hearing. Now, you may have already picked up on this, but uh, Miss funny Willis has some problems with. The truth, uh, she has already shown herself to be particularly um, disagreeable when challenged on some of the uh, factual inaccuracies on the stand of her position. Just by way of review, this is the prosecutor, the Fulton County, Georgia prosecutor who had taken it upon herself to bring a RICO charge, usually uh, something that you would associate with mafiosi, which I believe is the plural of mafioso, Clay.
1: I didn't actually uh, know
2: that. Yeah, I, I'm hoping so. Um, But yes, members of the Italian mob or any mob for that matter. But they uh, decided or she decided to apply to Trump. And then she thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hire a guy who has never prosecuted a RICO case at all. And I'm going to pay him. of the state's money, but also he's going to be a guy that I have had a romantic relationship with. Now, when did that relationship begin? That's central here. Did Ms. Fannie Willis receive the benefit of the usage of state funds for the trips they went on together, including, wasn't it the... Day trip for lunch to
1: Tennessee from Atlanta that we heard about? Which no one else has even raised as an issue, but I'm glad you brought that up, Buck. My um, 16-year-old was down, I said, at the University of Georgia's campus over the last weekend, and he rode back, and he had heard us talking about that, and he he couldn't stop talking about how bad the drive is from Atlanta to Tennessee and the fact that they went to Atlanta and Tennessee supposedly for lunch and then just turned around and drove back, probably while billing. Again, people say, well, why do you focus on details like that? It's details that don't add up that prove lies. So it's not always the super detailed um, aspect of a story that is the most important that proves the lie. It's something like that. They didn't, wh- I don't know what was going on, but the fact that that was even alleged. Is clearly evidence that they have been lying on the witness stand for some time, and
2: right now the uh, final arguments are expected at any moment in this case to disqualify Willis Clay. And I have both come down with this, uh, come down on this before with our predictions. Um, I believe that she will be disqualified. This judge has been pretty close to the vest on it, or to the robe, if you will. <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, the judge hasn't really shown his hand. Uh, I think that Fani Willis is likely to be taken off the case. If for no other reason, they'll, they'll give uh, the reason that she is now a distraction and this is a very serious endeavor. And, and remember, if she were to get her way, Donald Trump would go to prison. She would lock him up in a cell along with over a, a dozen other people who would also be going to prison over this. Uh, and so it's a serious business. This is not some small stakes trial that she's running uh, or she, you know, she is prosecuting. Clay, I think she's going to be taken off the trial. I think she'll be, uh, there may be state bar uh sanctions of some kind against her. I don't think that anyone's going to end up charging her criminally. I just don't see that, but I could be wrong. But whatever what I think agrees is that this has created, you know, there's the there's the legal decisions that come down and there's the timing of them, which we talk about a lot. And the timing here has certainly been advantageous for Trump because it has eaten up clock time and it has uh, taken a lot of the momentum out of this case going forward. And I also think that it's going to be really hard. How do you find a jury pool that knows anything about anything in the Atlanta area that doesn't have an opinion or doesn't have uh, the the tainted knowledge of Fonnie Willis as a corrupt prosecutor bringing this case against Donald Trump. You know what I mean? How could they even pretend like they can go forward with this case
1: as is? I think that she'll be removed. And we haven't really dove into the text messages that have now been entered that the judge has been able to review from uh, Nathan Wade's law partner. But it makes it very clear that they had a relationship of some sort that existed before she hired him so any argument at this point that there is anything other than a long standing relationship I think all of the evidence makes clear is not true um, I, that's why I said if you were going to charge her with perjury which I think you could and I think probably in an honest court system she should be charged with perjury her defense would be well What is a relationship? And and (laughs) by the way, there's a lot of guys out there that have probably had, and gals, conversations about what exactly are we in a relationship? What is a relationship? Well, you thought that the rules on the relationship were this. and So there is, I think, fairly some uncertainty as to what exactly a relationship entails because she could be pushing the argument that you know, maybe we just hooked up occasionally. It wasn't really anything serious. And then we had a conversation. And to me, the relationship began on this such and such date. Um, and, and so I can see how that could be a defense and proving perjury requires intent, which is why perjury charges are hard sometimes to prove. Uh, but I think it was reckless of her to hire her lover. It was reckless of her to sit at the witness stand. It was reckless of her, frankly, in my opinion, to bring these charges in the first place. That doesn't mean it wasn't politically advantageous. Um, those things can all be true. I think the same thing is true for Alvin Bragg. And To me, the big story here in general, Buck, is that whether it's Letitia James, Alvin Bragg, or Fannie Willis, they win in their respective jurisdictions even if they lose on a national level because Letitia James ran for attorney general saying, I'm going to get Trump to her constituency. She can claim that she uh, fulfilled that, that pledge. Alvin Bragg's the DA of New York. It doesn't matter that crime is skyrocketed, that thievery is is off the charts. He wants to get Donald Trump. Um, and uh, and so that's his goal. I do think the Atlanta case was interesting for two reasons in particular that are different. One, it's in a battleground state. And I think the politically important aspect of this case is, I think, Buck, uh, that that Trump now is walking away with Georgia. Because I think a lot of people, even people who aren't Trump people, have seen the shenanigans involved in this prosecution and said, this is a political hit job. And I think that's worked to Trump's benefit. Second part here is this is a state case. So at the rate at which we're going in South Florida and in D.C., if Trump were to win the election, he can toss those prosecution cases. And by the way, I think Biden might toss him if he won re-election, right? Um, But he couldn't necessarily toss Atlanta. If you remove the DA, I think basically these charges are dead. Because you're going to have to find a new DA. It's going to take months. Uh, finding somebody else who wants to prosecute this after potentially Trump wins in, in Georgia in 2024 I think would become increasingly difficult. The Department of Justice has a policy in place that you can't be prosecuted. I know this is state, not federal, but I don't think Trump would ever face charges here. I think Atlanta is dead. And I think a big reason why is Fannie Willis's reckless behavior.
2: And so what are we left with at this point? This is where we have to start looking at, uh, the Trump team move to get, uh, the Mar-a-Lago case moved up a bit, right? Mar-a-Lago now, they're hoping they can get the, so the documents Mar-a-Lago case, uh, Trump has asked in Florida for that to happen in August. Now it is my belief clay that the supreme court will and i think you're you're we're on board for this too the supreme court will decide the trump immunity issue and other issues but the immunity issue will be decided by sometime in june um because that would be normal you know that would be normal schedule for them and then i think that they would try then uh to well, they would send it back down and then chutkin could try to begin her trial in dc in perhaps august but if there's already a trial that has been scheduled ahead of the Chutkin trial that isn't before the Supreme Court, then I think you would have a couple things. One, uh, Eileen Cannon is more favorable to just due process for Trump, and that means if if his team wants to take the time to adjudicate the um, documents and other things, then fine. Also, what if, you know, meaning that you would give them that time, but what if... Eileen Cannon also says, hey, I know that you've requested this, but, you know, there's a DOJ guideline. And so we can't actually have the trial the summer before you're going to be on the ballot for president of the United States. So I'm going to delay this because that's what the DOJ says. Then there'd be a situation where Chutkin would have to say, yeah, I know the other federal judge cared about DOJ guidelines, but I'm a partisan lunatic and I don't. So we're going to have the trial in August. And you see what I mean? So I I think that's, that's the strategic maneuver they've done by trying to get Mar-a-Lago
1: moved into August. My prediction is that the Supreme court is going to knock half of the charges that Jack Smith wants to bring out saying that this, uh, attempt to interrupt an official proceeding shouldn't have been a Jan six related charge. I think that's going to, that's going to give up the ghost those charges. Um, I think that they will release their rulings on sometime around uh, July. July fourth week would be my bet. Try to let it kind of simmer into July fourth. If I'm not mistaken, July fourth this year is on a Thursday. It wouldn't surprise me if the final Supreme Court opinions came out on that Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday uh, as a uh, as a way to kind of bring all those to get to bear. Julie is optimistic that Judge uh, Chutkin will stick with her hey, I'm then going to give everybody several months to prepare for trial. I'm a little bit less optimistic about that. Uh, I think, and, and, and I said this before, this was my Merrick Garland as uh, as there's still some good left in him as Darth Vader. I still feel like Merrick Garland may end up weighing in and saying, yeah, we're not trying cases in September. I,
2: I'm, I'm, a, I'm as big a click Travis fan as anybody out there. There's absolutely no way Merrick Garland is going to save Donald Trump. From whatever they throw at. Like, this one, I'd give you a hundred to one odds on this one. I love your faith I, in the system. I know where this is from, but Merrick Clay, Merrick Garland would never be able to just, just put aside his, his politics. He wouldn't be able to go out in public for the rest of his life without just people cursing at him and hissing at him. I mean, there's no well, way. Well, I mean, I
1: think he would, he would come out and say, and we're going to try these cases in February of 2025 in the event that Trump loses. And if he wins, then we'll try the case in, February of 2028 right or 2029 I guess it would be Um, but uh, but I think I have more faith because to be fair uh, as we go to break here the Judge Noriega in Delaware has done a fabulous job Uh, I think Eileen Cannon is doing a good job I'm impressed with the Supreme Court's unwillingness to play the expedited race game that Jack Smith Mm -hmm. has requested that they do and I think the end result is going to be Buck they're going to leave it, which is what should happen, up to the will of 150 million some such American. Well, we, we voters, totally agree on that. As opposed I, to the judges, I just and, think that and, you're, when you're the naming
2: jury. the people that you have some faith in, I think they're all Republican appointees. Right?
1: There's a there's a
2: key a key differentiator here between say so Eric yes. Garland and the only people who have even stood up for due process, not not done anything. We say, wow, that's really good for Trump. It's just not allowing the machinery of Trump destruction to continue or, you know, bailing out uh, Hunter Biden in a way that's clearly partisan are Republican appointees. Uh, so this is I mean, you have a very politicized judicial system that I think everyone already understands, you know, look, Trump's lawyers understand it. That's why they want they think Eileen Cannon is at least going to give a fair shake to Trump, which is a world of difference from what Judge Chutkin is going to give to Trump. So everyone's already gearing up for this, but we'll take your calls on this as well. 800-282-2882. Liberty Safe has always protected your guns and valuables from fire and theft, but they also protect your privacy with an industry-leading set of privacy protections. Two million families have Liberty Safe in their homes, safeguarding one item or another. Some of them are large enough you can store a small arsenal of weapons. I'm talking about the safes now. Not to mention gold, silver, jewelry, important papers, whatever you need to keep safe. And no matter what size you want, what colors you want, there are so many options that Liberty Safe provides you. Go online now. Go to libertysafe.com slash radio for a customized, fortress-strong Liberty Safe with one-of-a-kind locking bars and best-in-class fire protection. Again, that's libertysafe.com slash radio. Use the promo code radio for an extra 10% discount. You'll also get a free $60 value locking vault with your uh, pistol vault. With your Liberty Safe purchase reserved just for this audience, support safes made in America by Americans at libertysafe.com slash radio, code radio. We got our friend Stephen Miller in the mix right now. He is the founder and president of America First Legal, a former senior advisor to President Trump on many issues but specifically thought of as the architect of Trump border policies something that perhaps he might have to uh, resurrect as a uh, thing that he's spending time on Stephen appreciate you being here um, now we got two different presidents at the border Biden and the Democrats are now pretending that they care about the border what is your first reaction when you see Biden slowly fumbling and stumbling around down there
5: Well, I mean, aside from the fact that just the visuals were terrible, Joe Biden looked more confused and aimless than usual, just completely lost out there. So that obviously was a bad visual for the White House. Substantively, though, you have to appreciate the brazenness of the Democrat Party, which has spent, if we start the clock in 2016, which has spent... Eight years single-mindedly devoted to the proposition of no illegal alien left behind. Eight years of our national life was don't build the wall. Donald Trump's a racist. There are no such thing as criminal aliens. They're just people coming for a better life. We should let them all in. They're the real Americans. They're the best Americans. They're dreamers. Our kids are trash. The real heroes are illegal aliens. Eight years of this, eight years. They fought Donald Trump on every single deportation policy. They tried to insert poison pills in every single spending bill to make it harder to secure the border. They tore their garments. They ripped out their hair. They screamed bloody murder. They sent AOC to the border. They made up all this bull about kids in cages and everything else. then Joe Biden comes in, and he's like, we're getting rid of all these policies. We're opening the border. Surge the border. No one's going to jail. No one's being arrested. Everybody gets a judge. an Immigration judge for everybody. Billion poor people in the world, you all get an immigration judge. Everybody can come here. No one's being deported. We're going to pause deportations. We're going to shut down ICE. We're going to stop building the wall. Eight years of this. Eight straight years of it. Then someday someone walks in the White House and says, oh, we're getting some uh, pretty bad poll numbers here on the whole invasion thing. I'm like, oh, let's just tell everyone we totally love border security. In a history of rhetorical pivots, there's no policy pivot, mind you. In a history of rhetorical pivots, this would be like – Jeffrey Dahmer coming out and saying, I've given it a thought, and I think that serial killing is super awful. I mean, that's where, that's where this is in terms of the, uh, the degree and level of insanity in trying to convince the American people uh, that the Democrat Party has positive feelings about border security. So hopefully that, Stephen, that gives you a sense of how I feel about it.
1: No doubt. That's perfect. Stephen, do you think Lakin Riley would still be alive if Donald Trump was president of the United States?
5: Absolutely. She would be with her family right now. She'd be with her friends right now. She'd be pursuing her dream of being a nursing student and and helping thousands of people uh, in that career and profession, making our country and our world an immeasurably better place. The odds that she would be alive today if Donald Trump was in the White House are 100 percent. Not 99.999 percent. One hundred percent. And I know this. Because we would never in any universe, any universe, have been releasing fighting-age men into the country. And in fact, in the case of Venezuela, we worked very hard to force Venezuela, and did so successfully, to take back all of their nationals. So before there was actually a big public awareness about the crime threat from Venezuela – so back in 2020, remember, because I worked on this, before there was a lot of public awareness about the crime threat, and most of the conversation about Venezuela was in the context of socialism and uh, the state of the economy in Venezuela. Uh, we were working night and day to make sure all the Venezuelans were going home, because we knew if work got out the Venezuelans were going to go home, that they would start coming in enormous numbers because of the state of the economy there. And, of course, criminals and fugitives and predators would take advantage of that. So we were very hard to keep things perfectly buttoned up with Venezuela. That's why you didn't hear one damn word about Venezuelan migrant criminals during the entire Trump presidency, because none of them got into the country.
2: Stephen Miller with us now of America First Legal. Stephen, some of the critics of President Trump on the border, uh, particularly you'll hear this from people on the right, will say, um, and they'll say this in response to a number of things: the wall, deportations. Why didn't he do it the first time? What do you say to people when that is their criticism of Trump, when he brings up what he wants to do now when it comes to the border and securing it?
5: Well, it was just factually untrue. I mean, it just predicated on a completely false understanding of the heroic achievements of those four years. So, I mean, just take a few specific points here, The uh, during the course of the Trump administration, 500 miles of new wall were built. And I know there's this ludicrous talking point out there. It's like, oh, barrier was where barrier was before. There are high traffic locations where there was vehicle barriers, for example, which are just a a post in the road, like vehicle barrier, right? In other words, you can't drive a car through it, right? Or there was dilapidated tinfoil lying on the ground. High traffic, high priority areas where we put in the most effective and powerful wall system in American history, 500 miles of it, which involved having to condemn land, having to fight landowners to get control of land when they wouldn't give it up, having to fight every environmental group, every radical lefty, having to fight the ACLU, having to fight Congress. We got up 500 miles of wall. By the time 2020, that thing was just rolling along. It was humming. It was like a boulder downhill. I mean, we were we were adding it at an astonishing clip and and pace with respect to just the overall immigration picture. Keep in mind, we came into office in 2017. Nobody knew anything about Remain in Mexico. Nobody knew anything about uh, safe third agreements. Nobody knew anything about this we here, 212F travel bans. Right, every single thing that Donald Trump did was unprecedented in American history. Never been tried let alone done before title 42 if i had told you in 2016 that we were going to develop a system legally operationally diplomatically to have an instant expulsion program where you have no right to apply for asylum no right to request relief no right to see an immigration judge no right to anything just hello see you later goodbye if i told you that You would have said that's an impossible dream. That's a fever dream, Stephen. You're living in a fantasy world. That's crazy talk. That's the kind of talk that belongs in an insane asylum. That will never happen in the real world. And we freaking did it, and we did it perfectly. In fact, we did it so well that in 2020, there were zero, zero discretionary releases into the United States. You know, there's always the case that there's a medical emergency. You know, somebody has to – get emergency hospital care, something like that. But there was zero discretionary releases. Every single person that Border Patrol or CBP laid their hands on was placed into detention and removed. That had never been achieved before. Not during the Bush administration, not during the Clinton administration, not during the Reagan administration, certainly not during the Obama administration. We were talking about things that are unheard of before in American history. It used to be, my last point is it used to be, That all Border Patrol would do was they would deport single adults from Mexico. That's what they did. And when they got some exotic nationality or a family they didn't know what to do with, right, they would oftentimes be released, which is why by the time we came into office, you saw more and more people from faraway lands and more and more people smuggling children and everything else like that. And we fixed it all. We buttoned it up. And we marched through hell to get it done. We spent four years fighting every single enemy of border security in this country, and we beat him like a drum, and we got it done. And all Joe Biden had to do was keep the status quo. But, of course, he didn't do that because the Democrat Party is committed to the proposition of unlimited migration.
1: Steven, you mentioned how Biden looked. Let's leave aside the disaster that actually <laughs> exists at the border. But we started off the show today talking about the fact that I watched that video of him walking on the trail and i felt like he needed a walker i mean it was sad yeah, to watch uh, i mean the guy he he couldn't move his arms like everything was out of sorts with something as simple as walking on a trail is he actually going to run do, do i mean you you know the the what it takes to be involved in running the country how much energy it takes regardless of the politics when you see joe biden do you actually think that they're going to have him on the ballot in november I
5: still do, although I recognize yes. and I'm probably in a minority.
1: You and Buck case. are like the Relative only people, too. by the way. Stephen, us,
2: yeah. us incredibly wise and thoughtful people see where this is going,
1: so just don't let anyone tell you you're alone because you and I are at the top of this mountain of wisdom. So explain why you think that is. Uh, just kind of lay out your argument.
5: Well, I mean, there's just a the practical fact that, uh, that Joe Biden clearly, as you saw from his angry press conference, is absolutely determined, personally, at a personal level, to cling to power. I mean, watching him yell and shout at Ducey and everybody else uh, at the press conference the day after the, her special counsel report came out, it's clear that he desperately wants to cling to power, number one. Number two is the vice president problem, Kamala Harris. The, um, she would have to agree to bow out and not say they could actually have a primary battle between, say, her and Gavin Newsom, she would have to be persuaded, convinced, shown poll numbers to say, you will be the first vice president in recent history to be the heir apparent and just to voluntarily bow out, even though there's no particular thing other than your unpopularity pushing you aside. So both of those events would have to happen. It has to happen uh, by this summer. And then there's also just a practical matter of with the, the last practical point on this is that uh um, very hard to remove Biden from all these state ballots and everything else, so it has to be done uh, most likely at a convention. And it's a very difficult thing to have a situation with the Democratic Party right now with all of its fissures and all of its fractions to have people just crowning a nominee with no democratic process behind it whatsoever. So I think for all those reasons, barring a medical emergency, which is quite possible, let's be clear, it's eminently possible, uh, I see him staying on the ballot.
2: Stephen Miller's a very smart man, Clay, as we, <laughs> as we all know. He's very wise, very astute. Uh, America First Legal, Stephen Miller's outfit doing great work. Stephen, appreciate you being with us. We'll talk to you again soon about the border and other things and when, when Biden is clearly
1: the nominee, you and I will do a little high-five on the air, so thank
2: yes,
5: you. Yeah, and also, we need to get that next season of Cobra Kai going. So that'll Yeah, I was going to ask you,
1: do you have any... I can't wait for the next season. I was talking about that with my kids the other day. Do you have any TV or movie recommendations? Any, anything you've seen? I know you're a, you're a pop culture guy, which is going to stun people because they're like, they think of you as like Nosferatu out there. <laughs> um,
5: that, that is very true. <laughs> Well, the um, I've actually been going back recently and watching old episodes of Magnum PI.
4: Oh, oh that yes. classic. It was
5: once America. And so, if you want to feel really great about how just cool, totally awesome, and amazing America is, just inject the Magnum PI into your veins, and then I'll give you the boost that you need.
2: I'm That's with them. Awesome. Well done. Well done. Thank you, Stephen. And now we'll know if Steven shows up with a Magnum P.I. mustache, you know, not 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 surprising. <laughs> that would actually be incredible. It yeah, should be a good look. Be a good look. Anyway, sports fans out there. There's an app that delivers the goods. It's called Prize Picks. The easiest way to play daily fantasy sports. Folks on the players, not the teams. The uh, Miami Heat playing this weekend. Clay, Mr. Jimmy Butler, I believe. Very good player. I'm going up, I'm going up. are you
1: more you're gonna go more are you gonna go to the game when are you going to sit courtside with our friends at prize picks
2: i'm just i'm just all i'm doing right now is giving you my picks okay i'm just telling you we're going more for anything jimmy butler related for the heat game this weekend um and and i'll tell you uh it's so fun it's so easy to get going with your prize picks quick withdrawals huge selection of players sports stat types I think yesterday, Clay, we got a call. Somebody wanted to to yell at you for getting a pick wrong, even though you got most of them right. So, you know, you can't make all the people happy all the time. It's fun, though. You get to talk to your friends about it. You get to make a little money. You get more involved in the sports that you're watching. Even I'm getting more and more involved these days. It is really a good time. Prize Picks offers injury insurance. so your entry stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. It's really easy. Download the Prize Picks app this basketball season. Use my name Buck as your promo code for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. That's the Prize Picks app. Download that to your smartphone and use my name Buck as your promo code for your one hundred dollar first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Promo code Buck at Prize Picks when you do the Prize Picks app. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy.
1: Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that, free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone.
2: There's no four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last Just go to PureTalk.com slash buck and claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to PureTalk.com slash buck to switch to my cell phone company,
1: Pure Talk. Trump joins us now, former first daughter-in-law, host of the Right View podcast. She has a new kids book up. Uh, that is out right now at BraveBooks.com, the Never Give Up Pup. And, uh, Laura, when I told my wife that you were coming on, she had an important PSA that she wanted you to be involved uh, in with her. Her name is also Laura, Laura Travis. She says that as a uh, person who lives in Tennessee, no one can get her name right. They all think that her name is Laura And so she wanted me to ask you, is this something that you have dealt with for your entire life in North Carolina as well? And can you make a public announcement that there's a difference between the two names?
3: Yeah, this is important. This is big stuff. Uh, we're, we're breaking news. We're making news here. It's uh, Her name is L-A-R-A, the same as mine. That's amazing.
1: Correct. She was named after Dr. Zhivago. Wow. Her mom yes. loved the movie. Is that you too? The
3: movie the book yeah but it's from the 60s so literally no one around knows anything about it we sound crazy talking about that we were uh, named after dr Javago. it's lara and the best part is if you listen to the 45th president of the united states donald trump pronounce my name of course my father-in-law he really has had to work himself into it over the years i've known him for 16 years you'll hear that he puts a lot of emphasis on the first day he goes lara so he's really nailed it. I'm going to encourage everyone out there, for my sake and your wife's sake, to go ahead and take a page out of President Trump's playbook when you're pronouncing our names. That's the right way. Uh,
1: no doubt. And also, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, if you're younger, yeah. which is what my wife sometimes will reference. So I thought that was important. You've all learned a lesson uh, that'll help me. There, I was yeah. nervous when I started dating my wife <laughs> that I was going to screw up her name, too. So I appreciate Uh, former President Trump dealing with that as well. All right. Tell us about this book and what made you want to write it. I believe you have two kids. I bet reading a lot of kids books uh, to get your kids ready for bed, um, among other things, was part of the prompting. But what exactly is the book and why did you want to write it?
3: Yeah, well, I partnered with Brave Books and everybody who's heard of Brave Books knows what a great job they do. They basically are are a faith-based, uh, you know, book company who wants to teach morals to our kids, who wants to make a safe space where every parent can feel comfortable letting their kids read their books and really getting immersed in the books. It feels like everywhere you turn these days, wokeness infiltrates everything. And so I think a lot of parents, like myself, were concerned, you know, we want to ensure that we're instilling the same values in our children that our parents instilled in us. And so I partnered with them because I thought they were a great company. And it's really, the book is about hard work. I feel like we live in a society where hard work is just falling by the wayside. Kids don't appreciate what hard work gets you. Everything is so easy and accessible for them these days. And how great it feels to put in a good hard days work and get results on the other side of it. So I actually wrote this book with them, uh, you know, like seven months ago. And of course, the irony is that you look at my father-in-law, he is kind of the epitome of never giving up. And it really wasn't fully intended to be about him, but you could kind of, you know, put the two stories together. He doesn't give up, neither does uh, the dog in the book. And of course, it's got it's about animals, dogs. One of my favorite things. Um, so I would just encourage parents out there, if you want to feel comfortable about what you're reading to your kids, Brave Books is fantastic. Bravebooks.com, and it's the Never Give Up pup.
2: Uh, Laura, it's Buck. Um, notice the pronunciation. Uh, the <laughs> oh, fantastic, well done. <laughs> thank you, thank I you, Laura. Like... I want to do it like I want to do it like the big guy does. Uh, Laura <laughs> yeah. and China, yeah. and he's got special words. Um, the never-give-up pup, what kind of pup is it? I want to ask you some – it's a Friday afternoon here. I want to ask you some dog questions. What are we talking about?
3: Well, you know I'm a dog lover. I'm a, I'm a crazy dog lady. Self, Yeah, self-described. So I have a beagle, and I also have a, a larger hound mix. Charlie's a beagle. Ben is a larger hound mix. This dog is I, – I know that everybody has – you remember the, the dog that was um, – in the trench coat, when we were kids, and you would see him oftentimes on TV. I'm trying to remember McGruff, what McGruff. Oh yeah, yeah. McGruff. Right. Yeah. So he's kind of modeled after that. So it's it's a hound because hounds are always on on the case on the scent, and we know they're the best detectives out there. So we had to put a hound in here. That's what I've got going around at my house. And so we, I know I can't remember. I couldn't remember. So, so, that. so I'm Laura, like my I know. Mind. We're it's we're, we're going to sell.
2: We're going to sell a lot of brave books the never give up pup right now because this uh everyone listening you've probably got more dog lovers listening to this than you could collect people who love dogs in any other place anywhere else in the world um but i do have to ask you because i'm wondering these days and i want to put you on the hot seat a little bit where do Uh you come down on the invasion i'm just saying are they sending us their best of doodles because the doodles are everywhere now (laughs) everywhere you look nothing but doodles i've got one now i love her she's amazing but i look around all i see in my neighborhood are these poodle mixes i've never seen a dog become so popular so fast where are you on it
3: a lot of doodles a lot of uh yeah a lot of that going on here's where i come down on it is anyone who wants to go to an animal shelter to a dog rescue anywhere where there are dogs that need a good home because by the way shout out to joe biden for the fact that we are now euthanizing dogs at four or five times the rate we were under President Donald Trump because people literally cannot afford to keep their family pets. I want you to get them all. I, I love I love all of them. And whether it's a doodle, whether it's a hound, a pit bulls, I'm a big fan of pit bulls. They get a bad rap. I call them the Donald Trump of the dog world because people don't understand them, generally speaking. Um, but, yeah, I, the doodles have really infiltrated. Whether or not they're sending their best, eh, I got some thoughts on that. They are, uh, hypoallergenic,
2: so I'll give them that. Okay, there's one more thing here. Uh, Clay and I, we, we got into this a bit. Um, and, and this is where dogs and politics crosses over in a real way. I understand that there's a, a tendency to dismiss that Joe Biden has, and, and to be clear, I do not blame the dogs, right? I do not blame the German shepherds. They're bad owners. They're not really bad dogs, but. The dog has bitten the Secret Service like what is it twenty times or forty times? It was some crazy number. Twenty four times. Twenty four times. Twenty four times. Exactly Thank
0: right. Yeah.
2: That to us, I mean, I love dogs. I grew up with dogs like you. I I wish if I could have like a dog rescue with a hundred dogs that I could take care of. You know, I would do it. But that to me, there's something wrong in this White House, and and not just like a little yeah. thing. Like there's some issue that they're not <laughs> dealing with.
3: Yeah. You're exactly right. There are no bad dogs. There are bad dog owners. Let's be honest. Joe Biden can't even take care of himself, let alone a dog. You got Major, who they had to get rid of. We don't know exactly where Major is. I feel like they gave us the old, yeah, he went with the family. That's the old line you tell people whenever something else happens to these dogs. Then you had Commander 24 times. Both of these dogs are biting Secret Service agents. And let's be clear about German Shepherds. They're among the smartest dogs out there. They are very in tune with their owners. They are very in tune with the commands they are given. Clearly, they are feeding off of the horrendous energy coming out of the White House right now. Joe Biden has failed these dogs. I feel so bad for them. And I'm going to put out another PSA. Wherever Major and Commander are, God bless them. I feel horribly for them. I'm going to go ahead and say that at the Trump household, we'll take them. Because I think they would do great with my gang. We already got three. Might as well make it. Y- you
2: guys rehabbing Biden's mistreated dogs. I would just say would be a metaphor on so many levels for the country right now. <laughs> exactly,
1: Clay, Clay. Sorry, you're up next. Yeah, no, no, no. Laura. You are uh, obviously. I'm sure it's been crazy to be the the daughter-in-law of the president of the United States and find yourself drawn into so many of the controversies. As we get ready for 24, there's talk about you with the RNC. I know you got two young kids. you got the book that's coming out. What, in your mind, is the most effective thing you could do to help Donald Trump return to the White House, and what are you trying to do from a political perspective to make that happen?
3: Well, I hope as of uh, end of next week I will become the co-chair of the RNC. There is a vote that will take place next week on that. And listen, we have to realize that we haven't been playing the game the right way against the Democrats. If we want to win elections, we have to play – Chess, not checkers. And unfortunately, that's what we've been doing in large part as Republicans, as this party. Uh, You know, if I am elected as co-chair of the RNC, I can tell you we are going to have things that you've never seen happen, like legal ballot harvesting across this country. We have to encourage people, although we wish there was one day of voting and we had paper ballots and voter ID everywhere. We don't have that right now. We have early voting and mail-in voting. we got to bank so many votes heading into November 5th of this year that we're not playing catch up on election day we want to encourage everyone to go vote early we want to make sure that come election day we don't just have people standing in polling locations we will have trained poll watchers and lawyers in all of these locations across the country so that they can actually physically count ballots that are received and the ballots that are going out and those numbers have to match we're going to have to play this a little differently it is time we start winning again I can guarantee you that is the plan if I'm elected co-chair of the RNC, winning from top to bottom of the ticket. Donald Trump, 47th president, expand our lead in the House and take back the Senate. That's the big plan.
1: Laura, Buck and I were at Mar-a-Lago in November. We've had Trump on the show, your father-in-law, a bunch. And so we see him behind the scenes. And we, we talked about this after we finished the most recent interview. He insisted that we had to take Mar-a-Lago milkshakes with us for our drive because they were so good. Uh, our wives were there, too. They were good, by the way. I, they were very good, by the <laughs> way. But They're the I best. Would ima- only the best. Only the best. That's right. I would imagine as the daughter-in-law, and now you've got grandchildren of President Trump, that when you hear him attacked as... Hitler, or the most evil man on the planet, and then you contrast it with your own personal relationship with him, I, I, that's one of the most staggering things, but I bet when, you, when he's the grandfather of your children, those things probably strike even differently, right? I mean, I, it has to inspire you to want to get more involved when you see someone who you know is a pretty nice guy and pretty easygoing, attacked as if he's the worst human being who's ever lived.
3: Yeah. I mean, and that's sadly an understatement. This is it's, it's incredible to see. But yeah, of course, it's personal. This is my family. As you just pointed out, this is my children's grandfather. And um, to know him as I have for 16 years, believe me, I know the heart of this man and I, I know who he truly is. But it's all the more reason that I think this fight is so important. Because this is, it's so much bigger than all of us. Obviously, none of us like the lies that are spread about him and the rest of us out there, but this really is about saving the country for the next generation and for making sure they get to grow up in the same America that we all got to grow up in. I think he understands and he's understood for a long time that he really is the only person who can do the job that needs to be done, that he doesn't care what they say about him. He doesn't care that they try and ultimately destroy him. Look at what they're doing to his life's work, his business. They try to take down his family at every turn and, and any collateral damage of any person who has any association with him. But I think that's why he understands this fight is so important and it's why it's so important to me and the rest of our family. If we do not ensure that Donald Trump is the 47th president, I honestly don't know What kind of country we have on the other side of it, if the things that they have done to this one man are allowed to stand and they're successful in their attempts to interfere in an election in the way that they have, uh, we really don't have the same country left to our kids. So it's vitally important to me, vitally important to the rest of the family. And I give my father-in-law so much credit. No other person would be standing and not just standing, but fighting and looking forward and ready to take on whatever they throw his way.
2: Go to bravebooks.com to get your copy of The Never Give Up Pup, which sounds great to me. Laura Trump, the author, and uh, soon to be running the RNC. Laura, thank you for being with us. Great to hang with you.
3: Thank you, guys. Great to be with you, too. I appreciate it.
2: Speaking of pups, Clay, who never give up. Ginger, who makes cameos on this show, she never gives up. She always tries to uh, snuggle her way onto the camera or up at the microphone you were on the live stream yesterday. You saw her sitting in the host chair for a little bit, but when Ginger is not sneaking into the studio, she's passed out on her My Pillow dog bed, and that's because there's a massive sale going on at MyPillow.com right now. We got Ginger her own set of My Towels as well for after bath. So the humans are all hooked up. I've got the Giza Dream sheets. I've got the mattress topper. I've got the My Pillows, but also for our canine family member, we've now got some My Towels and the uh, the My Pillow dog bed, which is phenomenal. Great sale right now on the Giza Dream sheets, by the way. Like I said, we've had them in our home for years. They're just as comfortable as you'd expect with a a sheets with the word dream in them. Giza Dream sheets made with soft cotton from a region of Egypt by that name, Giza. My pillow discovered this cotton years ago. The perfect cotton to sleep on. You'll feel so comfortable each night. Now's the time to upgrade your bedding. Give the Giza Dream sheets a try for a limited time. You can purchase a queen set for just fifty nine ninety eight, or a king-size set for just $10 more when you use Clay and Buck as your promo code at MyPillow.com. That code also earns you free shipping, which is a great savings. Go to MyPillow.com. You get the 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. Check out the flash sale right now on the Giza Dream sheets and so many other deals when you use promo code Clay and Buck.
1: Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vix, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head and Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26th. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for for more details. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean
2: exactly that—free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Qualifying plans start at just thirty-five bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, fifteen gigs of data, and mobile hotspot.
1: Just go to puretalk.com/clay and claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, puretalk.com/clay to switch to my cell phone company pure talk
2: born from the tragedy of 9-11 the tunnel to towers foundation made a promise to ensure we never forget since then tunnel to towers has been committed to supporting america's heroes and their families heroes like u.s army specialist michael hook hook was killed in iraq when his helicopter was shot down he enlisted in the military after graduating high school and left behind a pregnant fiance who gave birth to a son that he would never meet but thanks to the generosity of friends like you, Tunnel the to Towers paid off the mortgage on his family's home, relieving a financial burden and bringing stability. The foundation helps Gold Star and fallen first responder families, as well as our nation's most severely injured heroes and homeless veterans. Join Tunnel the to Towers on its mission to do good. America's heroes are counting on you. 95 cents of every dollar you give goes directly to its programs. Donate $11 a month Tunnel to Tunnel the Towers at t2t.org. That's T. The number 2T.org. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices our heroes have made for us.